doing that and collecting those. And uh, I said, that's a, that's a great ministry as well. All right, uh, take your Bible again in John chapter 17. And we're going to be looking at the second part of the high priestly prayer. Uh, last week uh, we looked at the first uh, five verses, uh, which are, uh, is the piece where uh, here just hours before the crucifixion uh, that Jesus sort of prays for himself. Uh, as I said last week, uh, his praying for himself uh, wasn't, um, it wasn't, Lord, keep me from the cross or whatever else, uh, but his, even his praying for himself uh, was uh, like if one of your children was in trouble uh, and you said, Lord, uh, help me have strength to help my child. Uh, and so even when he prayed for himself, uh, it was a little bit uh, for us. Uh, the second section uh, of this prayer, uh, he is praying specifically uh, for his disciples, for the 11 uh, remaining disciples, those who would uh, be there to uh, in the founding of the church after uh, his ascension. Uh, and there's two uh, lessons that I think we can uh, pull from uh, this section of the prayer. One of them is uh, is is how to pray. Uh, we see the things that uh, that interested and concerned Jesus uh, at that time. Uh, again, hours from being arrested and uh, and crucified. Uh, these are the things that uh, that concerned Jesus. Uh, and, and as we look at that, uh, I would challenge you. Uh, to look at uh, your own prayer life uh, and, and see the difference uh, in how we pray. Quite frankly, uh, most of the time our prayer life uh, is exceedingly selfish. Uh, it, it is give me, give me, I won't, help me. Uh, you know, it, it is, uh, and, and listen, I, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong uh, with asking for your needs. There's nothing wrong uh, with asking God for assistance. Uh, all I'm saying is, is where is the balance in there uh, of praying for others' needs and other things uh, as well? And so here uh, in these uh, verses today, uh, we're going to see again the, the model uh, of prayer, how Jesus prayed uh, under the gun, uh, literally, uh, under pressure, how he prayed, what concerned him uh, at that time uh, as an example to us. Uh, of how to pray. Uh, the second uh, application that I would make uh, to this is even though uh, in this model, Jesus, in this prayer, Jesus is specifically praying uh, for those 11 remaining disciples uh, that uh, would uh, carry on uh, the gospel and, and be uh, critical uh, in the founding of the New Testament church, uh, I think it's safe to say uh, that the things he prayed for uh, will apply and carry over to uh, the church as a whole, uh, that, uh, that he would pray this same prayer uh, over you and I as well. Uh, and so there's, there's two, uh, again, I think at least uh, two different ways that we uh, can take this text, uh, this pet section of the, of the Lord's Prayer, uh, and, uh, and look at them again as a model uh, and as an encouragement uh, to us as to how Jesus uh, would pray, I think, for uh, you and I even still today. And then uh, next week we'll look at the final section of this prayer uh, where he does actually pray uh, for you and I. Uh, but I think that, that the message here uh, this morning of, of his prayer carries over uh, and uh, into uh, praying for us. So we'll be picking up uh, in, uh, in, in verse 6 uh, here and uh, going down through uh, verse, uh, verse 19. Uh, and beginning in verse 6, Jesus begins, he's still uh, talking to his father and uh, he's talking about uh, the people uh, that follow him. Uh, and again, you, you see that there, I've revealed your name to your people, uh, to the ones you gave me. Uh, you, they were yours and you gave them to me and they've kept your word. Uh, and so he begins uh, this section of the prayer uh, talking to the Father 
and telling them uh, who he is uh, reminding them uh, of who he is actually uh, praying for. And so the first thing uh, that uh, I notice about this, uh, this section uh, is uh, the, the proclamation uh, that Jesus makes. Notice what he says about them. Uh, he, he says, you gave them to me. He says, they've, uh, they've kept your word. Uh, verse 7 says, now they know everything uh, that uh, you have given is from, uh, from you. Uh, because I've given them the words you gave me, they have uh, received them and, and know for certain that it came from you, uh, and they have believed you sent me. Uh, and so he begins uh, by uh, making a, a proclamation here uh, about... Uh, these uh, 11 disciples. And uh, what he's talking about here uh, is their faithfulness. He says these 11 uh, that remain are the 11 that have uh, been faithful, the 11 uh, that have uh, taken your word. They have, uh, they have heard your word. They have been obedient to your word. Uh, and if you look at this, he says it's kind of a, uh, a process. He says they've uh, kind of been slow learners at time, but uh, I've given them your word. And, and over time, uh, over these last few years uh, of my ministry, they have grown uh, and developed uh, in the faith. Now, he's not saying by any stretch of the imagination uh, that they are perfect. Uh, he's not saying that they are perfectly obedient. Uh, he's not saying that they've done uh, everything right. We know uh, they haven't. In fact, uh, we're just uh, a few hours away uh, from Peter yanking out the sword and lopping off the ear uh, of a Roman soldier. We're on only uh, a little bit further away from Jesus uh, being denied by Peter uh, three times. And so we know they're not perfect, but Jesus says of them uh, that they are growing, uh, they are developing uh, in the faith. He's, uh, he's simply uh, summarizing uh, their development, that they are growing uh, in the faith. Uh, it's like uh, the little song uh, that uh, children sometimes sing, He's Still Working On Me. Uh, you know, I'm not what I used to be. Uh, you know, I'm not what I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And so uh, Jesus is saying that uh, about his disciples. And uh, as we look at that for a moment, let me uh, veer off the paved road for a moment uh, and say hopefully uh, that Jesus could pray that same prayer uh, about you and I, uh, that he would say, you know, uh, they're learning, they're growing, they're developing. Uh, they're, you know, they're not everything they ought to be, uh, but thank God they're not what they used to be. Uh, what, a, what a truly a great statement uh, that Jesus makes about uh, his followers here uh, in saying again that they're growing uh, in the faith. Uh, the reality is, uh, and you know this, if something is living and it's not growing, uh, there's something wrong with it. Uh, you know, if you have a, uh, you know, a 16-year-old child and, and you're still carrying it around uh, you know, in, in diapers and, and, and blankets, uh, then you know something is, uh, something is wrong. Uh, that's not normal. Living things grow. Uh, and so if we are, uh, if we are uh, alive in Christ, then uh, like these disciples, we should be growing, uh, we should be developing, we should be uh, learning more about His Word, our prayer life uh, should be stronger, our uh, ability to witness should be uh, improving, our uh, willingness as we've done this morning uh, to praise and to, uh, to give God glory should, uh, should be uh, expanding, uh, that like these disciples, uh, that we should uh, be maturing uh, in our faith. It's obvious when you read uh, these uh, three verses that Jesus uh, is pleased with his disciples. He is pleased with their growth. He is pleased uh, with their development. He, he, he commends them uh, to the Father and says uh, that these men... Uh, have grown uh, from where, uh, I, where where I received them from what I you know from what I started working with uh, they have matured uh, a good bit and again he's not saying they're perfect he's not saying they're there uh, but he is saying. 
uh, that they are uh, that they are growing, folks. Uh, can I tell you this morning? Uh, I can't think of a a, a greater compliment. If, uh, you know what an honor to find out uh, that Jesus turned to the Father uh, and said, "Father, uh, you know your 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 servant down there, Jimmy. Uh, you remember him? Uh, you know, let me let me tell you about him. He he's got a long way to go, but he's grown from where I found him." Uh, I can't think of a greater, uh, you know, anything, to be very honest with you, uh, you know, if you want to come up here and, and feel them, i got chills running down my spine just thinking about uh, that very thought, uh, that, the fa- that the Son would look to the Father uh, and, and say uh, he, he's moved along uh, in his spiritual growth from, uh, from when I got him. He, he's moved along. He's growing. Uh, his understanding of your Word, his prayer life, uh, his walk with you, his... Uh, spiritual development. Uh, he is uh, he is more mature today than he was a year ago, uh, and, and I can't think. Uh, of a better compliment uh, for a believer uh, than for the for the son uh, to say of them uh, that they you know they're not what they ought to be but thank God they're not what they used to be and and that should be our each person in this room's prayer uh, and desire is that I, I grow uh, in, in my faith and. Uh, thankfully, uh, now, uh, you know, coming up on uh, 26 years as, uh, as your pastor, most of you, uh, or a lot of you for that whole 26 years, uh, I, I see a, a development. I can see a growth in you. I see uh, maturity in you. I see uh, different people uh, than, than, uh, than a few years back. Uh, what a great testimony uh, that we have uh, that even those that we work with, that, isn't that, shouldn't that be our prayer? Uh, our desire that like these disciples, uh, that those that we work with, those in our family, uh, our neighbors, uh, they may not understand what has happened. Uh, they may not be able to, uh, to, you know, those folks down there in Tommy's neighborhood may not be able to look at him and say, well, Jesus is really working on Tommy. They may not know that. But what, what, what would be great is if, uh, is if the folks that do business with uh, Tommy's business or Tommy's neighbors or your neighbors or my neighbor, whoever, uh, would say, you know what, I don't know how to explain it, but they're different than they were. There, there's something changing about them. They may not be able to explain it. They may not be able, and honestly, in the world we live in today, they probably can't. Because most of our uh, most of those folks we come into contact with have no real comprehension of, of who Jesus is and the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. But but wouldn't it wouldn't that shouldn't that be our desire to be like these disciples as Jesus prayed, Lord, uh, they're not what they used to be. But I'm going to tell you something, and, and, and what he's saying here, he's going to go on. And make some specific requests for these disciples based on the fact that they are growing in their faith. And that's important to understand. You know, think about this for a moment. And, you know, some of you who have, who have kids, you know, you remember a time when, uh, you know, as your children grew, uh, you might give them a nickel or a dime, a quarter, whatever, and let them run in the store and get a piece of candy or something. Uh, and you'd give them a nickel, you know, you'd give them a little bit of change and let them, you know, here, go get you a piece of candy, that kind of thing. And as time went on, uh, you might give them three or four dollars and say, hey, run in and get us a gallon of milk. Well, over time, as they proved themselves trustworthy with that little bit of change to get a piece of candy, those few dollars to get uh, a gallon of milk, uh, up, lo and behold, they got up about 16, and you trust them with the keys to your car. You know, what happened? They have proven themselves uh, over time. And, and so, you know, if, if, you had a, if you had a child and you said, you know, I can't trust that young man with a quarter. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I can't give that kid, you know, if I give him a quarter, he'll, you know, if I give him a quarter and tell him to come back with a piece of candy, you know, he'll go out and pitch quarters with the neighbors or something, you know, uh, you know whatever. Then, then are you going to trust them with the car? No, probably not. If you've got a child you can't trust to send in the grocery store to pick up a gallon of milk, you're probably not going to trust them with your car. You're probably not going to let them go out uh, with their friends on Friday night. Man, I can't trust you when I'm watching you. You know, I can't, you know, I can't trust you when I can see you. I'm surely not going to send you out into the world. Well, what Jesus is saying to, to the Father here 
is these men have proven themselves as growing in the faith. And so now, Father, I'm getting ready to turn over uh, the development uh, of the New Testament church uh, to these men. And so I want you to help them. I want you to continue to bless them. Listen, what I'm pointing at this morning is this, that there are many people who are, uh, who are in the church, who, who claim Christ uh, as their Savior, who desire uh, bigger and better things in their spiritual walk, when the truth is they can't handle what God has already given them. They've not been faithful in a few things, and so God hasn't given them much. Listen, that's Bible, right? One that's faithful in a few, he'll trust with more. And so Jesus is saying of these disciples, and, and I think by extension, uh, the challenge for you and I is these men have been growing uh, in their faith. They have been developing uh, in their walk. And, uh, and Father, now uh, I'm ready to turn over to them uh, the New Testament church. I'm ready uh, to give them uh, the ministry. Look what he uh, says about them. If you follow along in, uh, in these verses, you see uh, the process. Beginning in verse 7, uh, he says of them uh, that there was this intellectual that they recognized. They were yours. You gave them to me. Uh, they kept your word. Now they know everything you've given is from you. So they have a, he's, he begins by talking about uh, a head knowledge that they uh, started out. Uh, then in verse 8, he says, I've given them the word uh, that you gave me. So they move uh, from, a, uh, from just an intellectual knowledge uh, to receive the message uh, that God uh, has uh, given them. They're willing, uh, if you continue in verse 8, they're willing to obey. And then finally at the end of verse 8, uh, he says, and now they know for certain that I came from you. You know, if you go back and you read and you think about our, our walk through John or you look at the other Gospels, you know that in the early stages of the ministry of Christ, uh, these, these disciples were almost as big a doubters, if not sometimes bigger doubters, than the man on the street. You know, there were times when, when, when there were people who weren't disciples who had more faith than the disciples did. But he says of them, over these last few years, they have grown and they have matured. And now they know that I am the Son of God. Now they have moved from just a head knowledge to a, to a heart knowledge. They've kept your word. They have obeyed your word. And they have been obedient. The challenge, I think, for the church in, in, in 2020 maybe more than it's ever been, uh, considering the environment, considering the circumstances, is that we have that testimony uh, about us, that, uh, that we have grown in our faith and we have demonstrated uh, uh, the, the ability uh, and, and the right uh, to, to expect and, to, and live even greater uh, for Jesus Christ. And so uh, we see this proclamation that he makes about it. But then I want you to see the purpose affirmed. Look what he says in uh, verse 10. When he says, everything I have is yours and everything you have, I am glorified in them. Listen, the reason Jesus says, I am praying for these men, the reason I am lifting these men up uh, is right here uh, in the end of verse 10 uh, and the beginning uh, of, of verse 11 uh, when he says about them, uh, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. So Jesus says, here is the purpose I'm praying this prayer, because I'm leaving I'm leaving, and I am about to hand over the work of the kingdom and put it in the hands of these people. I'm about to put, why, so, so why should we be growing in the faith? Why should we be like these disciples and developing in our ministry, developing in our spiritual walk, developing our testimony, developing our relationship with God? Because Christ is, has left the building. He's going back to the Father. He said, I'm coming to you, but I'm going to leave them here uh, for a purpose. I'm going to leave them here uh, to be the witnesses. I'm going to leave them here uh, to be the examples. 
Listen, what Jesus says is something that the church needs to be reminded of today. What Jesus says is something that every one of us needs to be reminded of today. And this is not a saying unique to me. Others have said this before me. But the reality is that you and I are the only Jesus some people will ever see. You and I are the only Jesus that some people will ever know. There are people... In, in your circle of friends, there are people in, in your, 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 uh, your acquaintance list that are making a decision about Jesus Christ based on your life. Man, if that's not an humbling thought. There are people who are making eternal choices based on how I walk with Jesus. Man, if that doesn't drive you to your knees, if that doesn't open your eyes, then we, we may as well lower the goals and play basketball. To understand the reality. Jesus says, I'm praying this prayer because they're going to be in the world, but I'm leaving. You know as well as I do, there are many people, have been many people throughout time who have rejected Jesus Christ. Who quite frankly, many of them are probably separated from God for eternity in a devil's hell today because of what they saw or didn't see in those who proclaimed to be Christian. Let that sink in for a moment. There are people in hell or on their way to hell because they have made a decision about Jesus Christ based on the life, the walk, the talk of someone in their family, in their workplace, who proclaimed to be a Christian. They have decided that if that is a Christian, you've heard this statement, if that is a Christian, I don't want to be one. They have decided if that is a Christian, I'm already better than that. Jesus says, I'm praying this prayer because they are going to be my ambassadors. That is a almost heart-stopping thought. But Jesus says the reality is I'm leaving and they're going to be all that the world has of me. So I'm praying for them. I want you to look real quickly at what did he pray for. Because of, with that background in mind, Look with me. We see the proclamation he makes about them. We see the purpose that he has. Finally, I want you to see the prayer. Beginning in verse 11, Jesus makes request for his disciples with, again, with those verses uh, as background. And I think these requests that he makes, we see them uh, answered specifically uh, in the life of the eleven. But furthermore, uh, that these requests then carry on and, and into, the, uh, into the life of the church. And there's still, uh, I think, what Jesus desires <clears throat> for his followers today. Uh, the original request was for his 11. 
but I, I think these are still uh, applicable to, uh, to the church today. Uh, and so he begins by addressing uh, his father uh, by a phrase he only uses uh, here uh, in, in this place. It's the only place in the Bible uh, that we read this phrase, Holy Father. And uh, I, I've forgotten now uh, who, who, who commented on that and said the reason they believe that he, this is the, it's the only place that, that anybody calls, uh, calls him Holy Father uh, in Scripture. And, and uh, the, the, the answer here uh, was that uh, Jesus desired that uh, the Father would keep his disciples uh, with the affection of a father and the holiness of of God, you know, that he would he would love his disciples uh, with the holiness of the uh, with with the intimacy and the love of a father, but that he wouldn't lower his standards and maintain his righteousness uh, with those children. You know, it, it, just real quickly on that, you, you've probably seen this before. You, you've seen people uh, who who didn't have children uh, who, uh, who who would tell you know say, man, if I that was my kid, I'd do this, I'd do this, and other, and then they have kids and they don't do da da da. Yeah, you ever seen that? Well, that's kind of what Jesus is praying here. Jesus is saying, Lord, I want you to maintain the same standards, but I want you to love them like children. And here's what he asked for uh, as he prays for them. First of all, he asked for them for security. He, he says of them, he says, protect them by your name. You, you gave them that, that, that you've given me, uh, that they may be one as we're one. While I was with them, I was protecting them uh, by your name uh, that you've given me. Uh, and, and he says, now, uh, I, I, and I did that so that Scripture uh, might be uh, fulfilled. Now I'm coming to you, and so I speak these things uh, that they might have joy uh, complete. And, and so the first thing Jesus prays for uh, his followers. Now, th these are some, some wonderful uh, truths, I think, to know that these are the concerns. Again, don't forget this. Jesus is looking at the cross. Jesus is, the cross in the, is a shadow in the moonlight that night. He is hours from perhaps what can only be described as the most agonizing, torturous death anyone has ever died. And yet, he doesn't say, Lord, keep me from the cross. Or give me strength. He says, protect my people. Isn't that, isn't that sweet? I don't know if that's the right word or not. Isn't that beautiful? To know that when the executioner is loosening up his hammering shoulder, getting ready, when the torturer of the Roman government is getting his whip his, of cat and nine tails loosened up, when somebody is out back clipping the thorns to make him a crown of thorns, that Jesus doesn't pray, protect me. He prays, protect them. Protect them. What's he want us protected from? Well, what exactly uh, does he mean here? Well, what he's praying is, uh, again, he's praying as uh, Tommy, maybe somebody said a while ago during the testimony. He's praying that Jesus would keep us together uh, as one. You see what he says? He says, Father, keep them together. Keep them as one like you and I are one. You, know, you, you keep them unified, uh, you keep them focused uh, on, on the mission just as you and I uh, are, are unified. Because uh, as, as Ed said a moment ago about Corona, uh, and you know, Corona is just uh, the latest in a string uh, of things throughout history uh, that Satan has thrown at the church doing its best uh, to divide, doing his best uh, to, to come in between uh, the unity uh, of the church. Uh, and and so uh, Jesus prays, Lord, you protect them. 
They're, they're going to come against, uh, these 11 in particular, they're, they're going to come against adversity uh, as, as no one ever has. Uh, they're going to be starting a New Testament church uh, who is going to be, uh, they're going to be the enemies uh, of the Gentiles and the Jews. The Jews are going to hate them uh, for, for what they're about to start preaching. The Gentiles, the Romans are going to reject them for what they're about to preach. Uh, nobody's going to like them. And so Jesus says, uh, Lord, I'm praying uh, that they would have uh, unity, that you would protect them, uh, that they uh, will, and again, why? So that they would remain a visible presentation, a visible representation uh, of Jesus Christ. Can I, can I say something to you today? Nothing does more damage to the name of Jesus Christ than an ununified church. Nothing. Nothing damages the testimony of Jesus Christ any more than those who call themselves Christians who call themselves part of the body of Christ, fighting and divided among themselves. We should pray like Jesus prayed in this regard. God, protect the church from disharmony. God, protect the church from anything that would affect her unity. God, keep us together as one. Yeah, if if this hand, if my hand here, if all of a sudden my, you know, this hand reached into my pocket and, and pulled out my pocket knife and started stabbing this hand, you know, you'd say something's wrong with that hand, wouldn't you? Yeah, something's not right. Listen, this hand has a vested interest in the well-being of this hand. If you cut off this hand and I start bleeding, and I bleed out in a short order, this hand's going to be dead too. It may still be attached, but it's going to die too. This hand has a vested interest in this hand. Folks, it is imperative in this world, perhaps as it's never been before, that we as believers understand it is imperative that we realize that we, I have a vested interest in the spiritual well-being of Sherry. Sherry has a vested interest in the spiritual well-being of Anne. Anne has an interest in the spiritual well-being of Kevin. Kevin has an interest in the spiritual well-being of C.D. It benefits us all when we are unified and growing in the faith. We are, as the statement about a chain, only as strong as our weakest link. It is imperative that we understand what Jesus prayed here for today. And doing that, here's the, I think there's a twofold application of that. It is imperative that I take seriously the spiritual well-being of those around me, do everything I can in my power to help those around me grow and develop in their faith. But it also then behooves me that I grow. Because if I do everything I can and I help Debbie grow and get really close to the Lord and then I become the weakest link, we still got a problem, don't we? And so Jesus prays that Satan would, would be, uh, that the church would be protected from Satan, from, from disunity and disharmony. And, and I realize, listen, I'm, I'm going to say something here uh, that. To, to those who maybe who are watching online who, who have never been part uh, of, of this church and never been part uh, of this fellowship, I am beyond grateful uh, for the, the, the unity uh, and the harmony in this fellowship. I am. I'm not saying we're perfect. Yeah. Or I'm not, yeah. Not all of us anyway. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying we're there yet. But I'm telling you, you know, some of you don't, don't know any better, just to be honest with you. You don't know what's going on in some of the churches around you. You don't know some of the foolishness and silliness and pettiness and quite frankly childishness 
that goes on in many churches. One of the things you should do, as, as I do, is to be honest, is on a regular basis say, Lord, thank you for my church. Thank you for the fellowship and the harmony that, that is in my church. And God, I pray like Jesus prayed for his disciples that you will protect it. I overheard, and I didn't get permission, I'm going to say this anyway. I overheard Sherry back there in the, in the warehouse uh, one time. Uh, well, I point back there, there's two Sherry's back there. There's three Sherry's over here. This place has more people with the same name than you can shake a stick at. Uh, yeah, but Sherry Burris back there in the Operation Christmas Child Warehouse made a statement one Sunday. And I don't know if she knew I heard it, uh, but I heard her say this, and I hope she don't throw a shoebox at me for, for repeating it. But I heard her saying to somebody, said, I've been, in, I've been around a lot of churches and I've never seen one like this where the people just love each other. Amen. Is that close to what you said, Sherry? Do you remember saying that? Thank you. I didn't think I dreamed it. Nothing harms the witness of the church like disunity. I'm not even sure that's a word. Nothing is a better representative of the love of Jesus Christ than harmony. Behold, the psalmist says, how good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. He says it's like an oil that runs down on Aaron's beard, even Aaron's beard. You know, how they, you know when we anoint somebody, we generally, just for um, tidiness sake, we'll just take a little oil and kind of, man, when they anointed somebody, they put it to them. They, they got it all over them. Listen, that's the way our unity ought to be. It ought to, get all, it ought to affect everything we do, everything we are. Can I, can I, I'm, I'm on the road. I might as well go on down this road. Before you open your big mouth, say, is this going to help the unity or hurt the unity in my church? If you ask that question, there may be a few people who don't get to talk again for a while. Is what I'm about to say. Listen, I'm not saying we cover up sin. I'm not saying we don't deal with the reality. If there's something that needs to be fixed or something that's wrong, I'm not saying we sweep it under the rug. That doesn't help anything either. But you know that everything don't need to be said. Some things, they just need to be left alone. And if they are said, they don't need to be said out in the world. You need, need to go and grow your backbone and say it to the person who it affects. I've told you for 26 years, you've got something to say about me. I'm too big to hide and too lazy to run. You know, come get some. You know, here I am. And pray for the unity of our church. We don't only pray for the unity of our church, but every other church. Do you understand this? I wasn't planning on spending so much time on unity in a church that doesn't need it, really. But just in case, it's like like that vaccine they're working on. You know, it's just in case. All right? Do you understand? We need to pray for the unity of other churches and other bodies. We need to pray not just for the unity of our church, but for the body of Christ, because disunity and disharmony in another church hurts all churches. Every one of us have heard somebody make this statement. I'm not going down there. I'm not in that church with a bunch of hypocrites. Well, to be honest, for most people who say that, that's just the most easy excuse for them to throw out. But to also be honest, sometimes that's true. We need to pray for not only our church. Again, some of you don't know any better because you've been in this church so long, you don't know any better. I talk to pastors from all over the state. I'm telling you, some of the dumbest, meanest, stubbornest people call themselves Christian. 
I could tell some of y'all stories about what's went on in churches that would curl your hair. You'd call me a liar. You'd never believe those kind of things went on in churches. Never believe that people... Listen, Jesus prayed for us to be protected. Satan doesn't need to get us to preach something contrary to the Bible. Doesn't need to make us liberal. All he's got to do is drop a little seed of discord. And tear up everything that God is trying to do. He prays for their security. He prays for their satisfaction. Look at verse 13. Now I'm coming to you... And, uh, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy. I want them to have joy. Anybody here know the difference in joy and happiness? Ooh, i got to hurry up. Anybody know the difference in joy and happiness? I don't know what you said, but I'm going to assume you were right. Happiness is from the outside. Joy is from the inside. Joy is what Jesus places down deep in your heart. Down deep in your heart. Happiness is what happens around you and can be taken from you. It can be the world can give you happiness and the world can take your happiness. But Jesus says, I want my people to have the joy in their heart that the world didn't give them and the world can't take away. Do you have that joy? Are you praying for that joy? Are you praying that others would have that joy? Listen, that, that's one of the greatest things the world can see in a Christian is the joy that's down deep in their heart. That it isn't about the circumstances and what goes on around them, but it's what's going on in them. Why could they have joy? Because of what Jesus said about them in those first few verses. That they're growing in their walk with me. That they're growing. So he prayed for their security. He prayed for their satisfaction. He prayed for their separation. Look in verse 14. I've given them your world. The world hated them because they're not of the world. Just as I'm not of the world... I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but you'll protect them from uh, Satan, from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not uh, of the world. Jesus says, I'm not going to, you know, and I've mentioned this before. Why do you think it is that when you get saved, Jesus doesn't go, and just take you home right then? You're ready to go then, right? How many of you are ready to go? Ooh. Maybe I need to change real quick and preach on salvation. I didn't get many ready to go. Are y'all like that little boy that says, I'm ready to go. I just thought you was getting up a load to go today. Yeah. Listen, Jesus says, I'm going to leave you here. But you're not supposed to act like them. I'm going to leave you here. But you're not supposed to be like them. You're supposed to have different desires. You're supposed to have different wants. You're supposed to have uh, different joy, different happiness. You're supposed to be different. Jesus prays that we would be separate from this world. He doesn't pray that we'd be out of this world, but he does pray we'd be different in this world. You ever met a Christian that was just different in this world? Isn't that special to see? Some of you think maybe back to a grandmother, grandmother grandfather, somebody like that. They, they were just different. I think about my grandpa, my mama's daddy. He was, he was not of this world. He just, I think about my great-grandma, my, my mama's, mama's mama. She just wasn't of this world. She was in this world. She wasn't of this world. She was different. He was different. Listen, I've done my best, exerted a great deal of energy and effort to drive my grandpa crazy. I've put hot pepper in his pipe. I've put bacon grease on his shoes on his little sandals so he couldn't stay in them. I've short-sheeted his bed. I've put crickets in his bedroom. You name it. 
I've done everything I could to drive him nuts, to test his walk with the Lord. And I'm here to report my grandpa was not of this world. Because if he was, if he wasn't, I wouldn't be in this world. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm going to leave them here. But I want them to be different. I want them to dress different. I want them to walk different. I want them to talk different. I want them to be different. Their separation. And finally, their sanctification. Verse 17. He says there, sanctify them by the truth. The word sanctify simply means, and it's a big fancy church word, it means to be set apart, to separate them. Sanctify them. To set something apart for God. Verse 17 here is kind of the opposite side of when he prayed, protect them. I'm going to leave them here. I want them to be protected from Satan, but I want them to be holy and sanctified. I want them to be set apart. How do they get saint? How do you get sanctified? Look what he says. Sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. Folks, if we're not serious about this book right here, if we're not serious about this book, learning its principles and precepts, learning its truths and applying them in our life, we're not going to be protected. We're not going to have joy. None of these things that Jesus prayed for are going to happen. Because he says sanctification comes from knowing the truths of this book. I know that's not popular in 2020. I know there are people who will ridicule me. Who Jesus says about them here says they'll hate them. That's all right. It won't be the first time I've been hated. But folks, I still believe in this book. I believe in what it says. I believe in the truths it teaches. I believe everything from this cover to this cover. I even believe the maps, just in case. From Genesis to the book of maps, I believe it. I don't believe there's an error in it. I believe it is the God-breathed, infallible, inspired Word of God. I may butcher it, I may butcher it when I stand to preach it. I may get it wrong as I explain it, but that's on me because this book will stand when this world has fallen. And Jesus prays quite simply, we'd be people of this book. That this book would guide us I love, I love the little pledge of the Bible that we do in Bible school. It's one of my favorite things about Bible school other than snack time. I love, I love, there's some little kid standing up there trying to hold that Bible. And I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. And the phrase I like in it, I'll make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I remember as just a kid, Miss Evelyn Jenkins teaching me what that meant. She said that means the Word of God is a lamp under your feet. It tells you where you are. It is a light under your path. It shows you where you're going. And I hadn't always heeded that advice, but it's the truth whether I listen to it or not. There's been times when I didn't believe in gravity. You know who won? Gravity. You ask Caleb what I tell him all the time. Gravity is not a fat man's friend. There's been times in this old book I didn't follow it. But I want to tell you something. If you'll take this book and you'll build your marriage on what it says, 
you'll drastically lower your chances of divorce court. If you'll take this book and you'll raise your children by it, you'll drastically reduce your chances of having a delinquent. I'm not saying that, listen, you can only point them in the right direction. Sooner or later they get old enough, they got to make their own choices. But I'll take my chances on pointing them the way this book goes. Folks, Jesus prayed for his disciples that we'd follow this book and make an impact and a difference in this world. Let's us pray the same way. And knowing what he prayed for, let's us be obedient and follow his prayer. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. As our musicians come, I know the time is slipping away from me, but I remind you, y'all testified for a while. It's not all my fault. But this morning, I want to ask you, would you pray for yourself what Jesus prayed for you? Would you pray for each other what Jesus prayed for us? You may not be comfortable doing that right now. Maybe you don't want to go to somebody and pray that prayer over them. Maybe you want to get near them. Maybe you just want to kneel where you are. You want to pray that prayer over our church. Maybe you just want to come up here and, I don't know, put your hand on the altar table here. I don't know. You do what God leads you to do. But let's take this prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples. And let's make it our model. Let's make it our prayer. Let's make it our life. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, I thank you for allowing us to gather here today. God, I thank you for this great high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed. Just hours from the cross, but uh, he had us on his mind. God, this morning I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live that prayer. Pray that prayer. Pray it for ourselves. Pray it for each other. God, that we'd be the church in this community. As Larry said a moment ago, as we go back into our homes, into our communities, that we'd be your ambassadors. That we'd live this prayer for others, for you. God, if there's one listening today, if there's one in this room that doesn't know you as their Savior, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd let them just, their heart would be burdened by the truth that hours from the cross that your son had us on their mind. And God, today would be the day they'd come to know Christ personally. God, if there's one here, one online, God, that doesn't know Jesus, that they know that if they were to leave this world, if they were to die today, they'd die separated from you. They'd spend eternity in hell. God, I pray, Lord, that they would step out and they would come. Let me show them from your word how they can know Jesus Christ. I'd have your will here this morning. We'll give you the honor for it all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, as we stand together.